Brian, did, did you just enlighten me in the fantasy podcast world that there are two John Joes in the league? Welcome to the latest edition of the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby. Podcast. Brian Sesko. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is easily going to be one of the most interesting podcasts we have ever done. We are recording early, early in the morning. We are recording in three separate locations all at once. We're going to give something a go here. We've never done this before, but we're going to see how, how it does. Main reason, the season's about to start, and if we don't do this now, we're never going to do it. <laughs> it's so true. It's just so true. I like being forced into doing something a certain way. The best way to do something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, we're going to go through, and we've got... We have had a great summer so far, but we're going to go through and cap off our wonderful summer by giving you what you really want, which is an actual look at the players you should be interested in as we get started with the new season. Now, full disclaimer, we are recording this on Monday morning, so anything that we say is probably true as of Monday morning, uh, but if you're listening to this at any point later in the week, things may have changed, so we want to make sure that you're aware of that. Mm -hmm. Also, of course, this is all in preparation for the first match. When the match week uh, starts, your lineup locks, and so you've got to be able to listen to this by no later than Friday uh, afternoon in the United States, Friday evening across the pond. Yep. We're going to go through all 20 clubs and just rapid fire give you our opinions on the players that you should be interested in. I think this is going to be a good time. But uh, I guess time will only tell. The next hour will tell us. That's you it. Ready? Let's do it. We, we are going to give this a, a, the best effort we possibly can. We should probably go on straight to the matches. <laughs> if only we had them, but we have three more days. Oh, yeah. One more day until we have them. There's one thing that's for sure. One thing that's for sure is that no matter what this sounds like, we have given it our best effort. It's factually correct. Hey, we had there was a great exactly just like Ross Barkley, we've given it our best. Oh, oh Brian, why would you ruin the moment? I'm sorry. Hey, oh, we'll get to him. We'll get to him. All right, we're gonna go through the table one to twenty from last year. Of course, replacing the bottom three with the new bottom three, at least for now. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's talk about Chelsea, shall we? Let's do it. This is on the premise that you want to be ready, not for the whole season, week one, but you want to be ready for week one, right? In other words, Eden Hazard is going to be a great player probably the rest of the season, but he's not going to help you for the first month, the first three weeks, and and therefore he he should be nothing to you. (laughs) Yeah, Eden Hazard just recently returned to what they're calling light training. So when you have a broken ankle over the entire summer, uh, and he's definitely not going to play against Burnley, 
and you can't really expect them to play extensively for at least a few weeks. Uh, I think also too, I can't help but we're, we can't help but remind everyone, Eden Hazard was the most subbed player of all players last season. Mm. So I'm not gonna necessarily hurt him for the entire season. I'll still be really good. Just something to think about. Can't imagine that he's just gonna walk out onto the onto the pitch and play 90 minutes just as soon as he gets back out on the field right away. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. And uh, yeah, same thing I think can be said for the natural Diego Costa replacement, Alvaro Morata. Just like Hazard, he is probably going to be someone that we end up talking about owning at some point in the season. But so far, he hasn't been able to find the pitch much in preseason, if at all, because of the lack of what uh, manager uh, Antonio Conte has called the lack of match, match fitness. So the question is, do you take a chance on Batshuayi? Do you have to? I mean, should, for 8.5, do you buy him at forward? Is he going to play this coming week at Burnley? And is that the right matchup to go for? Well, I was shocked to see that I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised that 9.3% of people decided that they want to march Murata straight onto their team. But only 1.9%, the same amount, it's the same percentage that El Costa are, are taking a chance on Batshuayi. I feel like that's really weird. Well, es- weird. especially because Batshuayi, he has not, I think, Scott, you just touched on it, his, his preseason performances have not been great. So you're just playing him as out there as if you're playing him you're playing him as well he's he's playing striker for Chelsea therefore uh he's going to score and and I just don't think that's the case they played Chelsea played pretty much their first team yesterday in the community shield cup and they didn't look good and I don't, I don't know what's going on there uh but whatever was going on they didn't look good and in Batshuayi he doesn't create much he's got to be served uh, I believe he's got to be served the ball and put in good scoring positions. And I'm not sure without Hazard out there taking attention away that he's going to get many opportunities. Well, I'm looking at the week one matchup at home against Burnley. And, you know, Chelsea is one of those clubs where you could play them in this sort of super seed matchup. But at the same time, I think Burnley's defense is strong. Uh, it always has been as long as they've been in the league. And, uh, and so I'm not just going to trot out there any forward attacking player just because it's a Chelsea player. Honestly, if I'm going to buy a Chelsea player for week one, I'm looking at the back of the pitch. I'm looking at someone like Gary Cahill, six and a half. Milano's the most expensive defender at seven. That number's a little scary, but not much higher than Cahill and Pascal de Cueta and so on. And maybe Thibaut Courtois if you want to have a Chelsea goalkeeper. But, you know, Cahill, I think he was probably, was he given the assist on uh, Moses' goal in the community shield? Yes. Yep. He should have been. Okay. So, you know, someone like that, I think that could be valuable. Uh, honestly, Gary Cahill is where I'm looking if I'm going to own someone on Chelsea. Yeah. Well, 20, 22% of people have decided to make Devin Louise the number one defender to start the season. So, uh, I guess that's entirely because he's $6 uh, and the cheapest of all the Chelsea options. Yeah, and, um, and figuring that obviously, I was just going to say, if, you know, figuring probably that Chelsea's uh, defenders obviously will be good clean sheet wise. I mean, Louise didn't score many goals last year, but Cahill and Alonso did, and therefore they always seem to be up around the top of the defender scoring sheet. Somebody else, you know, down the line, uh, if you if you were to lose 
value um, that's me up to, to start the season. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Anyone else on Chelsea that we're looking at, Dave? No, I, I think I think the Chelsea defenders are the ones that if you're going to look at anyone, you need to focus on, especially early in the season. Their offense looked has looked horrible uh, in the preseason for the most of it. They've had some flashes of brilliance. They're so reliant on the counterattack, and if they're not able to get a hold of of uh, their steals in the midfield and Fabregas playing there, listen, losing Modic to United is going to be a big issue for them. Um, having Conte and Modic in there, and, and Modic was able to free Conte up to 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 go, uh, you know, higher up the pitch to disrupt things. With Fabregas in there defensively, it is way way different. Uh, and 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 I just wonder how that's going to affect Chelsea going forward. They do have a new signing, Bakayoko, who uh, is not fit yet or not ready to play, and he might be the one that's able to to do that and then free Conte up. But until that happens. Uh, I think only the Chelsea defenders are probably going to be the ones uh, that I would be willing to play if I'm willing to spend that money. I mean, based on last season, Sesk is one of those guys. If you were gonna, if you were gonna buy him, you, he seems like one of the people you'd have to commit to. Just saying, I'm going to put him in there and I'm going to keep him in my roster no matter what uh, for the duration of the season. You know, I, I'm assuming he's not going to do much different than he did. Maybe he gets more, a little more time, but I can't imagine he's not going to get rotated, uh, especially when, especially whenever Chelsea gets to more, you know, into European concerns. He's going to be one of those guys that, that you know, eighteen minutes and then seventy-seven minutes or zero minutes. Yeah, you know, it just seems like he's one of those guys that's going to do that, and he'll be fine for points. Yep. I don't know. I think I think you can take a take that Chelsea dial from last year, and because of the European play, and because the you know there's always a chance for a title hangover, I think that you can just take that dial and turn it down a notch. And I think everyone is probably going to perform just a little bit worse than they did last year. I feel pretty safe making that generalization. I think that's fair. Next club, Tottenham Hotspur. Finished second last year. You look at their roster, and there's a lot of yellow, some knocks here, which is a little concerning because they don't have a lot of depth, which you pointed out, Dave. I think they're going to be in trouble with their depth. They have looked really, really good in the in the preseason. Uh, and I know I'm going to say that probably a lot, and I haven't seen every club, right? But I've seen a few of the top clubs, and, I'm only, and I've seen a couple games. But, I mean, a couple days ago, Tottenham slammed Juventus. Uh, they looked... Like everyone was on the exact same wavelength, thinking the same thing. I, I just wonder how they're like. And Scott, you alluded to it. Their depth. They have hardly had any signings. Now maybe they don't need any. Maybe none of them are going to get hurt. Maybe their conditioning is just top, and just you know heads and heads above everyone else. I don't know, but that that scares me. And Scott, you know, like like you had said before, obviously Harry Kane led the league in goals last year. But you've said and pointed out before that his starts to the seasons tend to be slower for whatever reason. And yep. you have put the curse of Wembley on the, the entire team. Yes, yes. correct. Uh, I hate to, over, to overgeneralize, but honestly, I may not own a spur to start the season. Certainly not going to own Harry Kane and that 12 and a half price. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to wait and see on the rest of it. They don't start at Wembley. That's probably the good news for them. They go to Newcastle to start the season. So if you want to take a chance, I wouldn't ridicule you for that. But at least start. But I'm going to start somewhere like Alderweireld or Vertonghen. I'm not going anywhere near any attack route. I need to see how they do at Wembley first. Uh, the one thing I'll say, uh, I, I found this you know, just for Harry Kane's sake, in the summer of 2014, Harry Kane scored one goal in the matches that they played. The summer of 2015, he one goal, uh, and that was against the MLS All-Stars. In an exhibition, the summer, he scored three goals. And this summer, since May 6, Harry Kane scored six goals. Uh, he doesn't seem to have stopped scoring goals 
family home. Uh, there's there's opportunity there for Harry Kane, especially I would think uh, first team was probably has not forgotten five uh, one against Newcastle the last time they played. I'm not. I mean, I know I know he's expensive, but I feel like anyone who has him, in that's three weeks of nervousness. I think for anybody who doesn't have Harry Kane. 35% is really high there. I mean, I'm a little surprised at his ownership to start the season. His ownership is at 35%? Yep. 36. Almost 35.8. Good gosh. I mean, what? is almost half. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a pretty significant percentage of, of fantasy players who are playing Lukaku and or Kane. Um, and speaking of depth, it, it, even in even in beating Juventus, it still was they they had to kind of temper that win because they lost Karen Trippier halfway through yeah. for forty some minutes into the match. Right. Uh, and so you know what I was saying was that just when just what the doctor ordered, you can't your your team needs to get back on track. Who else do you want to play other than Juventus? And just as they're celebrating their, you know, just thinking of them celebrating their win, they have to deal with the fact that uh, they have four available defenders listed in Fantasy Premier League as of, the, as of early this morning. That, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's not a lot. The, the, the guy who subbed in for Trippier, Kyle Walker-Peters, that's his name, Kyle Walker-Peters, that's ridiculous, by the he's way. Not even, he's not even listed yet. Well, it sounds yeah. like Fantasy Premier League needs to get on it. Well, uh, I think that that obviously speaks to the, the fact that he, you know, maybe everyone's just confused that they're confused about the fact that it's the second Kyle Walker. Like they just keep replacing the same guy with the same guy. It's weird. Hey, I don't know. Hey, I, all, all I know is I, I want to give the devil's advocate view of what we're, where we're going here with the lack of depth, and that is when it comes to FPL, Sometimes a lack of depth is a good thing. You know, we're going to go to Manchester City next, and it's the same thing as last year. We talked a lot of, you know, ever since Pat took over City. We don't know who's going to play, and that's impossible to, to predict for FPL. Well, with Tottenham, you know who's going to play. It's true. So if I'm a fantasy owner, maybe maybe that's a good thing for me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point, Scott. One of the biggest things with them, based on preseason ownership, I'm really surprised that the gigantic disparity between people who are owning Belly and people who are owning Christian Eriksen. Like, I feel like of all the guys who can turn out to be a, uh, a gigantic help throughout the season is 14.1% owned Eriksen compared to 37 on Belly. Christian Eriksen, I mean, I just feel like that. I feel like that's, I'm, I'm almost leaning more towards Christian Eriksen than maybe anyone else on the team. Really interesting. I, that is a, very surprising about that disparity, especially with them being the same price. I would have thought that maybe they'd be, maybe obviously people are thinking they're getting a better player with more upside in Ali than Eriksen, even though I think Eriksen, with him taking free kicks and also with his passing and his assist record, uh, is probably might be the better play. Takes us into Manchester City finishing third in the table last year. A few new faces in Pep's squad. But last year they were notorious for being very difficult to predict who was going to be playing for match to match. Has that changed at all for us this season? I think it got worse. Not quite. I feel like it's got I feel like it kind of inevitably has to be about the same. I agree. Uh, you know, Kyle Walker and Benjamin Mendy are two new defenders. They're the highest-priced defenders on the squad. Uh, they'll probably settle in just fine. New goalkeeper and Ederson, uh, you know, same faces in the midfield and, and up front. But I guess the question is, who, uh, let's, let's start here. Sergio Aguero or Gabriel Jesus? Who's going to play? If, if anything, if, if Pep shows the colors that he showed last year, then it's going to be Jesus. So if he has a season on the bench, 
he had to start with just one, I think it would be Jesus. But if he's not lying, then this summer he said he wants to see them on the field together more because they were very good together. I, I, my, my genuine feeling is that Sergio Aguero is going to be really useful all, all year long. He's just so expensive. I mean, if you have to pick one or the other, you're going to pick the guy you know that's going to start regularly, which is Jesus. And if you took 11 and a half, which is what Aguero is, you're going to take Lukaku for 11 and a half. Yeah, I agree. I, I just don't... I, I'm, I'm the, the surprising thing to me is that only 12.8% of people just are starting with Jesus. I feel like that's really low. Well, it's probably the fact that he's on the same forward line as Sergio Aguero, and there's some unknowns there. You know, KDB is also at ten, and you know, he doesn't—he doesn't play the full ninety minutes all the time. But you know, he obviously has a high price because of all the assists that he can bring when he's out there on the pitch. I don't know, every position I look at, I see high prices. Might you get good points in return? Maybe, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm very hesitant. To, uh, to take a good hard look at Manchester City players, even though their week one matchup is at Brighton. Well, I, I, I tell you what, the, the one player that I currently own, and I'm planning on owning at the start of the season, is Kevin DeBrowna. Kevin okay. DeBrowna is the player who I plan on owning at the beginning of the season. I I think it's also proven, or first of all, he had, he had 18 assists last year. His team around him has only gotten better. And he's going to be playing a full season with Gabriel Gabriel Jesus up front and Manchester City's schedule starting at Brighton. Give me some Kevin DeBrowna week one, even at $10 billion. I'll take that. Yeah, maybe. I, I, so I'm going to be a broken record. I know that we've talked about the top three clubs now uh, in last year's table and all I've recommended so far are defenders, but I'm just going to have to do that again. Honestly, knowing the matchup at Brighton, I'm I'm looking at Vincent Company and I'm waiting to see on everybody else. What about John Stones? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is you, you said that um, Brian was it you that said that the team around KDB has only gotten better, um, which might make its value even higher. Uh, you know, the same thing with John Stones. I think the back line has probably only gotten better this year which by default might make John Stones better in fantasy scoring, even if he still sucks. I think, I think that you're right. I want to say that as far as the back line, Vincent Company, um, I mean, there was nobody more essential to them uh, than Vincent Company and the season last season. I think the combination of, of Company and uh, and Jesus at the end of the la- at the end of last Premier League season, but especially for fantasy, those two guys together were just so they were just so crucial to everything that happened uh, for Manchester City at the end of the year. If as long as Vincent Company is healthy, six dollars, yeah, it's expensive, but six percent. That is shockingly yeah. way uh, down. Although I will say that makes him at four and a half percent. That makes him the thirtieth most owned player of all defenders. 
you know what, I'm okay with that because at best, that's probably where he's going to end up in the scoring rankings. Too. Way to be a, way to be the rain cloud, Brian. Way to be the rain cloud. I'm sorry. Fourth place, Liverpool. Uh, same manager, same system, a lot of the same players, just a few new faces. Uh, is it still a Liverpool midfielder and nowhere else for us? No. No. I don't think so. What are you looking at? Man, I am really, really, I, I am, I am, I am feeling all the, the 17% of people who've decided to pick Roberto Firmino as one of their forwards. Yeah. Who is a uh, forward now. Yes. Yeah. I, you don't love that, that loss of points, but compared to most of the other people that are available at, at forward in and around that, that price, man, that is really tempting. I agree. I agree a lot. It is tempting. I think Liverpool is going to score a lot of goals this year. That's not a, uh, a really big, audacious statement there. Now, Firmino only had 11 goals last year. What are we to are we to make anything of that? He had his ups and his downs. He, you know, he, he was a bit of a roller coaster ride last year, like everyone else on uh, Liverpool. Um, it, it really just depends. Uh, the only thing about Roberto Firmino is going to be as a forward. You know, he plays. He plays when he's healthy, but there's still some options up there for Liverpool that you know you might see him take a seat, especially with some Champions League matches now inserted into Liverpool's schedule this season. So, you know, when Serge is healthy, he's going to play. I know that might not be very often, but it's going to be often enough. Uh, don't sleep on Dominic Solanka from Chelsea. He, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he looked really good in preseason, and I yeah. get that it's just preseason. But I think he's going to take some playing time away from some of these guys up in the front six, seven of, six or seven uh, of, of Liverpool's formation. He's going he's to play. Um, so there is reason to hesitate, but at the same time, I think anyone who buys him to start the season, Roberto Firmino, that is, um, that's not a bad idea at all. Going to Watford, I think Liverpool's going to put up at least three goals on Watford to start the season. So I think yeah, that, that is a safe buy. That's the big thing. And I think for the midfield, I mean, thanks to Adam Ollant, by uh, midfielder conundrum is uh, at least it's one one less player uh, to, to decide on to start the season. Um, you know, if, if Adam Alana looking at possibly October as a return, I guess depending on how healed Jurgen wants him to get that side. Uh, and then you know the never-ending deal of whether or not. Uh, Barcelona has reached a deal to buy Felipe Coutinho. Um, I mean, it seems like, I mean, until you hear otherwise, Coutinho, uh, Mane, Salah, I mean, it just seems like you could put the names in a hat and draw it out. I feel like you're you're a bit safe with any one of those guys. And I know that they're all nine and nine and a half, but if you can own two of them, Better, better for you to, to do that. Uh, I think you're exactly right, Brian. Those three guys, it's going to be just like the start of the season last year where it was basically take a Liverpool midfielder or two and you're going to be just fine. Those three guys are have looked solid. And again, the only hesitation is with Coutinho, all of the transfer rumors. But honestly, those transfer rumors are only coming out of Spain. They're not coming out of England. So I'm not super worried about Coutinho leaving. Uh, you know, I might hesitate in my draft league to draft him. Uh, if, if Mane and Salah are available, I'll draft them instead, knowing that I'm going to get probably about the same output from them. But yeah, that is where all of the strength of Liverpool is. Are, are we, guys. Scott? Are, are you, Scott? Are you comfortable yeah. giving Salah that much credit? That you're putting him on Coutinho and Mane's level, even though last time he was in the Premier League, he couldn't make Chelsea's starting lineup. Again, I think it has everything to do with manager and system. He was in the wrong system with the wrong manager when he was at Chelsea. I mean, Jose Mourinho isn't—he, uh, you know—it's you know, Jose Mourinho that I'm going to say less than favorable things about Romelu Lukaku uh, when we get to United. It's—it's it's all about the system and the manager. And honestly, I give preseason Liverpool much more emphasis than I do his uh, cameo at Chelsea a couple of years ago. So, yes, I absolutely am high on Mohamed Salah. 
lot. I think the fact that he has looked so good opposite Mane on the wing, I think it's only a sign of what's to come this season. And we're not... Are we, we, are we giving any credence to uh, Liverpool defender slash goalkeeper? Probably not, right? Not yet. Not yet. And maybe if they do end up buying a couple of guys before the uh, transfer window closes, looking at you, Virgil, um, maybe then. Uh, but no, I'm staying away to start the season. Um, the one thing I was curious about is just to, until, I, I mean, just because it's new faces, because of injuries already to start the season, I'm I am a little curious who the go-to lineup ends up being and what the exact formation, you know, who, who out of those, you know, kind of five or six guys, especially with them all them, um, what, you know, how Jordan Henderson, Emery Chan, how they factor on a regular basis. And that's, you know, if that's, if that becomes a matter of lineup or just a, a tactic, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere near those guys for fantasy. Yes, they may play, but if they do, they're going to be sitting behind the other four or five attacking options. And so, while yes, their their strong name values there, they're just not going to get you much points. They might have a flashy goal here and there from 30 yards out. But they're not going to score a lot of points, aside from the one or two matches where they have those goals. So I don't see any value there. I stick to the stick to what you, you play, play the odds, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Play the four guys that we were saying are going to be further pitch for Mino, Salah, Mane, Coutinho, and, and watch the points roll in. Fifth place with Arsenal and uh, the fresh off their win in the Community Shield. We know they're out a couple of guys to start the season. Uh, St. Cazorla is still out. That's been going on an ongoing injury for quite some time. Yep. Uh, and then Lauren Koscielny is out for the first couple of weeks at least of the season. Uh, but there's still plenty of their uh, fantasy-worthy uh, uh, owns, wouldn't you say, Dave? There, There's a lot of options out there. The, the sort of... Uh, question is currently is who's starting next week? I don't know. Yes. He pretty much it seemed like Wenger started a second team, sort of. So I thought with the you know with the exception of maybe a couple people yesterday in the Community Shield, they played really well. Um, but normally he plays in the past. He's played the starting lineup that he wants to do week one. He'll play in the Community Shield. It just didn't feel like that this week. Or uh, or this year, so I don't know what to think. I honestly, I have no idea what to think. I'm obviously the wow. biggest Arsenal homer, and currently on my fantasy Premier League team in the budget league, I do not own an Arsenal player because I don't know who's playing yet. Probably with the exception of Lacazette starting at forward. Well, Dave, don't you feel like it was an ominous Arsene Wenger yesterday who said I left? players out of the lineup because some are short of preparation like Alexis Sanchez yeah yeah no I mean and, and it's probably fair um, I feel like Alexis is always in a, a good enough shape to play um, but you know maybe maybe he left him off I mean Ozil didn't play yesterday Ramsey who always seems to be yeah. fit didn't play um, there was they're both, and they're both doubtful for, for Leicester right probably not Ozil Walcott has had probably one of his best preseasons that he's ever had. So I'll be shocked if he's not in the starting lineup um, to start the season. So I I don't know. I, the team that he put out there yesterday performed. And so if if those types of performances can continue, Murtisacker got a, got a cut across his face. I can't imagine he is a choice uh, defensive uh, back to start the season. They, they did continue playing. The the uh, three four three formation, and I think that's going to continue. It continues for them to be nothing but a success, which you know, which is awesome. And and I know that uh, Brian, you've mentioned this a couple pods ago. The the fantasy Premier League has been promoting Kolasinac as as the as a defender and or a good own. He scored yesterday. Um, 
and he's had all other assists in the preseason. Every time he's on the pitch, he's looked dangerous. He passes the eye test. And I know that's an unscientific test to administer, <laughs> but he passes the eye test. Honestly, I like how he looks when he plays. Yeah. Uh, he, he's impressive, and, uh, you know, that that's one place I would be tempted to go for sure. Well, and I think and that's the fact good. that he played yesterday says something about his availability for the next couple of weeks. I, I like him as a known. Well, and that's the question is whether or not uh, um, whether Nacho has lost uh, or it has lost or is going to lose time because of how good uh, Sayad is for them. Dave, are you surprised that Hector Bellerin is the most popular pick of all Arsenal defenders at 13.9%? Yeah, that is a little surprising, especially because he wasn't even, um, at the end of last season, he wasn't even starting. So, you know, that that is surprising. Um, I, I, people are just going with the names they recognize at this point. I think so. And, and just, I, I think it's safe. I think it's safe to say Bellerin's probably going to be available here early in the season. Someone that I would question, you guys mentioned Urzel, but we haven't mentioned Alexis, I don't think yet. It's 12 pounds. I'm not playing him for the first couple of weeks until he is match ready. Yeah, there's no way. I don't know how you could. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, he was heads and he was so far above everyone else in fantasy scoring last year. But I agree, he's only been back in training for about a week, and and I completely until the transfer window closes, there's no complete guarantee that he's not going somewhere else either. So I don't even know if he's going to see the pitch much until, you know, the transfer window closes or he gets another week or two in training. So you're right. At that price, it's just not worth it to have to spend that much money and then have the player not play and sit the bench. Yeah. That's, that's not worth it. That's just shocking. There's only one other guy I can think of that, 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 that we can say, based on last season's performance, we can get to him later. But just knowing how amazing Alexis Sanchez was last year, how how iffy everything is with them going into this. How unessential he seems to start the year. Absolutely. And I am uh, one of those people, I don't like to own guys who are new to the league. That's something that I struggle with when I start a new season. And so I will not own Lacazette to start the year, even if he ends up lighting the world on fire. I'll take advantage of that after week two or week three. For week one, I'm very much a wait and see and how he fits into the Arsenal style. Sixth place, Manchester United. Well, obviously the big new name here is uh, up front, Romelu Lukaku, uh, although there are some other new names here as well. But uh, what do we make of Manchester United this season? Uh, everyone's buying Pogba, uh, obviously, to start the year. His ownership's up, isn't it? I'm sorry. 23% almost. Oh, my goodness. Now, you, you, you got to prove it. He's, he's got to show me something first. There's no way. I, I mean, I think, I, I think everything, I mean, it's all on that $8 price tag. I mean, I feel like that's the guy that everyone has just jumped straight back on. I mean, I guess in his favor, as long as he was healthy last year, he didn't come off the field even at the end of the season. Uh, I get it, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, there's just too many guys. Look at that. Look at the list of midfielders on that team. I mean, there's, it feels like it's the same length of a list as there are Arsenal defenders. <laughs> it looks like that. It just looks like an endless list of people, and you know how they run a problem for fantasy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The rotation. You know, what's What's great for the club and all the matches they have to play since they're also the Champions League is is bad for fantasy owners. You know, one thing I guess is is fair for sure is that playing the quality of Lukaku and you know knowing the danger that he represents and and that he they can't possibly play him with on the same reliance that they had on Guapa last year. It won't work the same way. That potentially, yeah, sure, that frees up Pogba for more attacking threat. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know if it's a wait and see. I mean, it just seems like one of those things. 
it's either going to happen or it's not. And so I can't, I can't imagine his, his price goes up all that drastically. Because it seems like everyone else that, that you expect to do really well. But, I mean, it's already kind of built into the ownership right away. The talk is at 48%. You're going to get those points or you're not going to get those points. Are there, are there going to be points to get? Is he going to be the Everton version of Lukaku, who was second among forwards in scoring last year, or is he going to feel the Mourinho effect? That's the that's the bet that you're making when you start the season with Romelu Lukaku. Manchester United's Romelu Lukaku, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good that's eleven a, and a half. Yeah, that's a good call, uh, Scott. Is 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 Mourinho is Mourinho gonna gonna hurt his goal tally? Just because of the style. Zlatan was immune to that, but only because everyone else felt the effects of the Mourinho effect. Zlatan just deferred it to everybody else on the squad. He was the only one who seemed to transcend Jose Mourinho's negative impact. I don't think Lukaku has that ability. Yeah, I I don't know if I agree, but I am definitely on a wait and see. I'm not going to own Lukaku to start the season. It it's just it seems I know he might be he he might be one of the most guaranteed strikers going forward. I know he's he's good. I'm not taking away from his talent. It's just a new setting, a new system, and uh he's got really talented midfielders behind him. I just don't I, I'm gonna wait and see. I'm gonna wait and see on, on, on that. Here's why I'm looking. Here's why I'm looking on Manchester United. You can't go wrong usually with David De Gea at five and a half, even though I know that's five for a goalkeeper. You can't go wrong with Antonio Valencia at six and a half. You know that's also a high price for a defender. I think you're going to get points for that, for that, that price. I'm looking at uh, maybe a sleeper fifth midfielder in Jesse Lingard at six. I might have him and stash him on my bench. I think he might be someone if he does play, he can steal a goal and you could get those points off your bench. And I'm also looking at Marilyn Fellini's elbows. I think you're going to get a lot of good returns for the five there on Fellini's elbows. Marilyn Fellini, I, I, I thought, I was happy one day because I thought I had, had seen a rumor or transfer news that he had transferred out of the league. Unfortunately, it was just a rumor, and we know how those go. Let's move on to seventh place, Everton. Everton has added a lot of bodies. Uh, they've got a new look to them. Ronald Koeman putting his stamp on this club, uh, in part out of necessity because they are uh, in the Europa League this season. They've already started their, their Europa League campaign. Uh, let's start at the back and move our way forward with this club. Uh, Jordan Pickford, their new starting goalkeeper, priced at five. Are we interested in the Everton version of Jordan Pickford? I am interested in Jordan Pickford, and I am interested in Kuman's defense. And I, I, I own Jordan Pickford right now. Now I don't think he's going to get the amount of saves that he got last year playing for Sunderland, but I think he's going to get more clean sheets, and that is what interests me there and his price. Yeah, I mean that's a yeah, that's a guarantee. He can't get he can't get fewer than he had last year. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I think that, you know, the defense in front of him, there's a lot of known names. Um, the concern might be that they're all a year older, with the exception of their uh, purchase of Michael Keane. I think that could be a shrewd buy for them. Uh, Michael, I'm interested in Everton's Michael Keane. Uh, but Leighton Baines, Ashley Williams, still Jackie Elka. I mean, all those names are still there in defense. And I, I think that it's, those are safe purchases at defender. Second, third defender, I, I think that's pretty safe, especially since Everton hosts Stoke to start the season. Yeah, the, um, I mean, right now, and Kuman said of that, so Mason Holgate, you assume, would have started would have jumped right back into where he where he ended last season, but then they signed Kuka Martina and Ronald Koeman saying this summer, actually just a few days ago, we know that we have several options for for the position with Mason Holgate, with Kuka Martina, and with uh, John Joe Kenny, one of their young players. And, and all he would say is, finally, we know that the best will play. <laughs> 
whole game will start the season, but man, I mean, that could get, I mean, that could get messy. Brian, did, Brian, did, did you just enlighten me and the fantasy podcast world that there are two John Joes in the league? <laughs> yeah. Yes, there are. Whoa. There's, a, there's at least one other John Joe. Spelled slightly differently, but uh, both are equally unownable, so don't get too excited. Uh, moving to midfield, the two highest-priced midfielders, and they're not that high. They're only at seven and a half. Ross Barkley and Davey Clawson, one of their new purchases. What do we make of that? Um, I think you make of it, I think it says a lot that Kevin Morales has owned more than both of them. Oh, really? See, Kevin Morales is the ultimate in inconsistent in midfield. He's going to be good every once in a while, but he is not uh, hes not a strong player. Tillman is going to sub him out because he's frustrated with him uh, more often than not. And so, uh, you know, I've been burned by Kevin Morales for the last few years. I'm not going anywhere near him. David Klaus, that excites me. Yeah, uh, I was going to say out of those guys, Clawson more than more than anyone else, uh, and then Kuman saying also too about Ross Barkley. You know, we, I want guys who want to be here. We, we, you know, people are asking, you know, reporters asking Kuman, "What you, are you confident about Ross Barkley?" You know, going into the season, and he just said, "Well, no. You know, we we want the guy to stay. You don't offer." New contracts and good contracts to players that you want to leave. Like well, obviously, we want the guy to be here, but you know the question is the same as before: Does he want to be there? And I thought that it seems pretty obvious. The answer was what Ross Barkley is no. Yeah. Well, and he's not going to get anywhere near the pitch either. So you just have to avoid Ross Barkley. Hey, and, and good on and, and good on. Good on a fantasy owner. Only 0.4% of owners have Ross Barkley right now. Okay. Good. Uh, what do we make of forward Wayne Rooney on this squad? Is he anyone at 7.5 at the forward position? I mean, do you want Wayne Rooney as a second or third striker? I think you I, I think you probably do. I, 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 I kind of do. Yeah, I agree. I... I I am kind of floating back and forth. Like, do I want to own Rooney or like Jermaine Defoe? Like, those guys are kind of in the same category yeah. for me. Rooney seems to have found a, a scoring touch uh, here in the preseason, and I and man, it's kind of a tough thing. I kind of want. I feel like it's a good. I know you love this, Scott. A good value at at seven and a half for Wayne Rooney. Assuming that I don't, I'm not sure there's many other scoring options. Obviously, everyone's buying it. I mean, that's he's the fifth highest of ownership at seventeen and a half percent of all of all forwards. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, at least don't you feel like at least I don't know the first twelve, fifteen matches, maybe. I mean. I'd be really curious to see what happens with Wayne Rooney, especially knowing that, I mean, you got to think he's going to be, you know, he'll be taking some free kicks. I don't, I mean, has that, I don't know necessarily that he'll be taking penalties, but that's a, that's definitely an option. I don't know how, I mean, if there's anyone that's going to take away penalties from Wayne Baines, it's going to be Wayne Rooney. So, yeah, I am buying it a little bit. Yeah, the only thing is, you know, Wayne Rooney is about as known a commodity as there is, but Everton's Wayne Rooney is uncertain. So that's the only thing that makes me hesitate, but you're right. For that price, I'm willing to make him my second or third striker, and with that matchup against Stoke in week one, I might even I might even play him, even though it kind of breaks yeah. one of my rules. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, it's going to be interesting. I think Everton also is not done in the transfer window, so you're going to end up having some guys we're going to end up talking about a couple of new guys, I think, once uh, we get into September on this club. Yeah, I'm um, Oh, sorry. Sorry. The only thing I was going to add is, yeah, the, the first match at home against Stoke is great, but then after that, at City, at Chelsea, home Spurs, at United, uh, they play about as tough of a schedule in weeks two through five as you can have. Uh, so I would just imagine that no matter who, yeah, because I've thought 
about that even at the beginning of the season. Brian, is that is that their actual two through five schedule? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, okay, I changed everything I, I just said. <laughs> I should have done more research. I'm probably going to wait till mid-September to own every single year. And then I'm going to jump fully on the bandwagon and, uh, and go ahead and probably max out with three. Because I do like Everton, but I'm going to wait to like them until mid-September. Yeah, that schedule after week one is really is really difficult. So I mean, because that was what I was going to say is I was looking at that because Mason Holgate at four and a half you know four and a half dollars for him, four and a half for Puto Martino, like whichever way you decide to go there. I mean, really, yeah, you play him for that first week. Play anybody from Everton in the first week, but man, I don't know what you do. I don't think you can play. Cool. Even I mean, maybe you risk Jordan Pickford, but. It just seems like that's too much for four weeks in a row. Really, really difficult schedule to start the season. And you gotta, you gotta plan out your free transfer week one after week one's done. Just plan on getting rid of that for a few weeks. Eighth place, Southampton. New manager. A lot of the same players. Um, Virgil is their most prominent and, and uh, uh, he has the highest price among the defenders on this squad, but he's not anywhere near the pitch because he wants out. Um, does the fact that there's a new manager, uh, well, I'll confess, before I ask the question, I'm going to answer my own question. Whenever there's a new manager, I hesitate as well with players on that club because everyone reacts differently to new management and new systems from that new manager. So I'm really low on Southampton in general until I know how they're going to do you know, we do know a lot of these players. Based on what anyone from that is Southampton writing or fan is saying, I think everyone is so thrilled that Claude Puel is not there. I don't Absolutely. think there's anything but, but optimism for all of these people to say, finally, the, the abilities of players like Usan Tadic, either Gabby Adini or Charlie Austin, like, Maybe now Nathan Redmond do. Maybe now we'll get to see some real attacking and less rotation. Maybe we really will get to see. The guy that I was going to say is James Ward-Prowse. There is no more, like, like the time is now for this guy than James Ward-Prowse for Southampton people. James Ward-Prowse at, at five and a half has has only gotten better. I know that the Premier League themselves have, have touted him to start the season as a, a really like there's there is great potential here. There is there is uh, charted marked improvement over the course of the you know his first few seasons. This is the guy. This guy could this guy could finally take advantage of new manager established role. Uh, and this guy's this guy's taking every free kick whenever he's on the field. Um, he's definitely somebody that I'm I'm looking at for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm I feel not not no guarantees, but I mean it's like the reverse Everton. Look at the start of the season for them. Just I mean yeah. look at the the the, the 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 schedule for them really through. Almost into November is just really nice. I hear you. And so then maybe make me want to buy Ryan Bertrand or even a Jack Stevens or a Cedric because obviously those guys are going to start. Um, I, I hear you on JWP. You, you've maybe convinced me to put him up at my fourth midfield slot. Honestly, though, at forward, Gabby Dini, Charlie Austin, Shane Long. That, you know what that says to me? That says to me, uh, Andre Gray, Sam Vokes, Ashley Barnes. Like, none of those three names are, and that's obviously Burnley's three strikers from last year, and that's carrying over again into this year. I'm not going anywhere near those three guys until one of them establishes himself, and I want that guy to be Charlie Austin. I don't want to be yeah. Charlie Austin in my heart, but that guy's got to stay healthy. I'm not going anywhere near. So you've convinced me on defender and midfielder, but not on forward. I'm not going anywhere near Southampton. Yeah, that's, that was the only other thing I was going to say is really like exactly that. Until you see one of those two guys started and established, I don't know how. I mean, I, I feel like this, this again, this 
this is one of the few times where I'm like, the percentages look about right. 4.7% of people have, are starting with Gabby Adini. 2.1% on Charlie Austin. Like, yeah, that sounds about right. It's, I mean, Gabby Adini is a third guy. Why not? Maybe take a chance. Yeah. If it ends up being him, you probably got a good, you probably got a good bargain. Yeah. 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 I want I, you guys hit it. There's nothing else I could really add. I don't. I want nothing to do, for the most part. Tadic might be the only player that that I'd be willing to to give a slot to, um, just because I believe in his talent. But new coach, new system. I, I don't know what to think about Southampton. Th- there could be some really good bargains out there, like like JWP, Tadic, and if they get I mean, if hey, they get some clean hey, sheets, if they get some clean hey, sheets. You know where this road ends, Scott? I do. It ends in heartbreak and last place to start the season. I'm not doing it again. It ends in two goals one time, and then you don't hear from the guy again until uh, two months later. Oh, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Fraser Forster for $5 is, an, I think, nice, given the schedule. I think Fraser Forster is one of those guys. He had, he had 14 clean sheets last year. That's pretty good. I think no, I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. I think it's more in relation to the fact that last year he was listed as a midfielder, not a forward, and this year he's listed as a forward. So you're not getting those midfield clean sheet points. So people are scared away by the position change. Interesting. I think you probably are right. I, I know that I feel differently about him simply based on position change. So that makes total sense. Uh, Jermaine Defoe is he going to get some usefulness for us uh, at Bournemouth? No. Listen, Jermaine Defoe was very was a very productive fantasy player last year, and that was on Sunderland. Okay, with first half of the year, first half of the year mostly. Well, yeah. whatever. Be technical about it. it we're, right now, we're in the first <laughs> we're we're in the first half of the year. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go apples and apples. But bottom line is, he's on a much better team in a in a offensive system with that Eddie Howe coaches that is a passing attacking system. Bournemouth is they're okay with giving up two or three goals as long as they can score three or four. And Jermaine Defoe's probably going to get a lot more opportunities to score assuming listen, Bournemouth, the whole reason why Josh King came out of nowhere last year anyways was because Callum Wilson and Afobi and other guys that were in front of him, they couldn't get healthy. Josh King ended up sort of playing a striker position almost out of default because he was the only healthy person. What's the one thing that Jermaine Defoe is always? He's always seems to be healthy. So, Josh, but but Benicophobi and Josh King played really well together. Yeah. If that becomes Josh King and Jermaine Defoe up top, I mean, what's to stop that partnership from being as productive as Jermaine Defoe? I mean, I just what I'm saying is 
I'm shocked that somebody who scored as many goals as he did and 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 looked so good and has been linked, you know, in the towards the end of the summer here with potentially moved to Spurs or to somebody else. So, like, well, that just seems really, really low. For like, everyone has bailed on Josh King, and I just feel like it just seems like a. It doesn't seem like enough to me that Jermaine Defoe's there and now all of a sudden Josh King's going to be the guy I've forgotten. I just can't believe that that happened. Yeah. It is so t- stereotypical of our podcast to find Mason Nathan Ake at $5 to start the season. No, that, I, I, don't you love him? How do you not do. love that guy? Everyone I do, I do love him. But I think he, I don't care what the stats say and I don't have them in front of me, but I feel like he made that Bournemouth defense better when he was there. His replacement was Tyron Mings, and I had no fond memories of Tyron Mings' play at the second half of the season. So I think that I think Bournemouth is going to be better with him at the center at the center of their defense this year on a permanent basis. I like I like him there, and if he's there, then that brings up the value of Charlie Daniels and Steve Cook a little bit more too. Don't you feel like with with it's uh, with, with um. With Bournemouth players, I feel like it, it kind of doesn't matter what the it, it hasn't mattered what the matchup is. I, I don't know how much you're really counting on clean clean sheets from these no. guys, no matter what. So you, I mean, it's it's why I, I can totally understand why if if you were going to flip a coin on somebody, Charlie Daniels or Nathan Hopkins start the season. I mean, you, I, I just feel like. You could get free kicks. You could get you could get points from those guys in so many different ways. They alternate basically, the, the, you know, until October. Uh, decent matchups and bad matchups the entire way. But I feel like in a way they're kind of all the same. You, they, they are going to play hard and they're going to play in a way that you just love. Uh, they're going to score. They're going to score a goal or two. Yeah. Yeah. They're always going to score a goal or two. Yeah. Well, they, they start the season playing uh, the next club we are going to discuss, the final club in our uh, top ten uh, here, and that is West Bromwich Albion. This is uh, something where, you know, tell me if you've heard this one before, Tony Pulis, all the same players here at West Brom. Really, there's only been one addition uh, to their roster, and that is Jim Rodriguez at forward. What do we make of the presence of Rondon and Rodriguez together on this roster? I don't want, I mean, first of all, do we have to talk about the Albions? Yeah, man. Yes. Uh, yes. They're like, yes, the Albions are a requirement for us to discuss, Dave. The only guy, first of all, the, the biggest disappointment was to see that Chris Brunt was moved as up to a midfielder, his position change. Because last year he was a, a steal as a defender, at least the first part of the season. But other than, other than a Matt Phillips I don't even trust anyone else's talent on that roster. Like, there's so many other options everywhere else. I just feel like West Bromwich Albion might as well be Huddersfield, if from to me. Like, there's there's nothing there's nothing there that I want any a part of. Well, I mean, the only thing they have going for them right now is uh, is that they have zero points. And we know that they are motivated until they get to 40. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Sky, the 40-point rule is in effect uh, starting starting Saturday. Um, Jay, I mean, Jay Rodriguez, Jay Rodriguez for $6. I mean, I can't, there's no way to be mad about somebody who decides to put Jay Rodriguez in as their third strike. Uh, I mean... I agree. Yeah, I think a great, I think a great forward line, Brian, to start the season is Lukaku or you know City striker, and then and then uh, Wayne Rooney and Jay Rodriguez. Yeah, the 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 schedule for West Brom is similar to Southampton because they they have so many favorable matchups for so long to start the season. I don't know what you do with the midfield guys. I mean, Matt, I think Dave, you're, I mean, Matt Phillips is the guy you've talked about. Uh, off the air before yeah. uh, with West Brom. Yeah, I mean I get because Matt Phillips was Matt Phillips was really good whenever he was healthy last season. 
I mean, for everyone else, it's the defenders and, and then Ben Foster. To me, I feel like Ben Foster is like a shoe-in for four and a half dollars. I don't He's know how you know that. Yeah, absolutely right. I don't know. I don't know. Goalkeeper. Always. Yeah, I don't know how you don't have him on your on your as one of your your keepers to start the season. The tough thing is is them losing Gareth McCauley almost guaranteed for the first match of the season. So I mean, maybe to start, you know, looking at Craig Dawson. No, you're exactly right. All the guys that are, are Mr. Reliable on West Brom that we've talked about in the past, they're all, I, mean, I don't know how much, because there's no injury protocol, I don't know how much weight you can put on these percentages of their chances of playing uh, that the FPL uh, provides. But every single one that we would point to is, is showing it's not 100% healthy. Craig Dawson is. Gareth McCauley, Matt Phillips, Chris Brunt, James Morrison, James McLean, all of them are showing some level of, of, of injury. Uh, again, they probably will all play. Who knows? But at the same time, it just to me, it, it just reinforces what Dave said. And anything other than maybe Ben Foster, a goalkeeper, and Jay Rodriguez on my bench, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near this club. Hey, guys. Yeah. The two, guys, can, can I drop one stat on you? That is going to be shocking to both of you. Sure, shock me, man. How many clean sheets did West Brom have last year? Probably not a lot. They didn't. They were not the same West Brom. They didn't. Six. Six clean sheets last year. That is it. Oh, man. Not surprised. Not surprised. Yeah, I mean, they were were playing their defenders because they scored goals. Well, I know. I was going to say, it was all about the new... Uh, goal scoring West Brom through the through the the first third through the maybe second third of the season. Correct. That's absolutely right. And a lot of that was Matt Phillips. Yep. That's right. The injection of, the, in, the injection of pace. <laughs> absolutely right. Well, gentlemen, we are through the first half of our preview. We're going to cut it off here. And we'll get to clubs 11 through 20 uh, in our next episode. Hopefully, we're giving the people what they want. I think we'll continue to do that. Find those diamonds in the rough at the bottom of the table. That's it. Yep, I think we did a good job. And uh, thank you for bearing with our uh, our uh, displace- displacement issue as we are <laughs> all three <laughs> different states. <laughs> That's exactly right. But hey, you can always follow us on social media. We'll get recaps to all of this at our website, fantasy.com. That's it. All right. For the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast, this is David Smith, and until next time.